DeJulius puts up a three. Yes! Bearcat Blitz rolling into another week on the Believe Network. I'm your host, Russ Heltman. He is my co-host, Neil Meyer, both of all Bearcats.com. And Neil also writes for the front office news.com. Cincinnati Bearcats get a victory over the UCF Knights 76-74 on the road, a quad one win, and a had-to-have-it victory that they went and got the job done in on Saturday. We'll recap that, look at the latest NCAA tournament projections, and take a peek at what Cincinnati can expect from the Oklahoma State Cowboys as they get ready to come to town on Wednesday evening. But first, a message from Bet Online, which is our presenting sponsor on today's episode. They continue to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting contests and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team and remember to use promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for your 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. Neil, the Bearcats get the job done on Saturday evening, 76-74. Was not pretty shooting in really any facet from either team, but the Bearcats get it done on the offensive glass. The rebounding mantra just really carries them through here. 45-33 to rebounding advantage, and you get 15 points from Daniel Skillings to help drive this thing home along with some clutch buckets from Simas Lukosius. And in my opinion, the best all-around performance of his Bearcats career from Aziz Bandego. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk Aziz Bandego. I thought that was one of his best games of his career. Obviously, we saw glimpses of that before the back injury. But you're looking down at the stat sheet, 13 points, 8 rebounds. I thought his rim presence and his ability to really change the game on the glass, Russ, is what solidified this one for the Bearcats. I mean, we talked about it heading into this matchup that the Bearcats were going to have to win the battle of the glass. And you're looking down 45 to 33 on that aspect. That is a huge, huge difference in this game. And it started with the presence of Aziz Bandego. And also, Dan Skilling's ability to really change the game. Obviously, he gets the start over Victor Lockin, finishes with eight rebounds as well. But the guy we really have to talk about, Russ, is Jamil Reynolds. I thought he played fantastic and arguably his best game on the defensive side of the ball. Six, just six points on the offensive end, two of three shooting. But man, those nine rebounds were crucial. And he got the most of the minutes there off the bench, as we saw no Victor Locken really in this contest. And Jamil Reynolds looked fantastic, in my opinion. I know that was a homecoming game for him, especially after spending his first two seasons down at UCF. But man, was he fantastic on Saturday. Yeah, Jamil tied for second in efficiency score in this game with a 13 mark right up there with Daniel Skillings. And Aziz Mandago paced all players with an 18 efficiency mark. Reynolds um, didn't get a ton of run. Has kind of stuck in that 10 to 15 minute range in his time here at UC, but the most impactful 14 minutes on Saturday that he has played in any game so far. Six points, two for three from the field, went two for two at the free throw line and nine total rebounds. I believe that is a career high as a Bearcat. A season yeah. high at the Bearcat. Yeah. So look at that. It's great to see, Neil. And what happened? What happened? You go from 
ghost-like performances across the entire front court in the midweek game last week to Aziz Bandego and Jamil Reynolds are two of your three best players in this game and ultimately allowed you to go small, Neil, put Victor Locken on the bench, which Wes Miller said the plan was to eventually get him some run at some point in the game, but the way they were playing with that four out, one big lineup was really, really impactful. They didn't give up any rebounding acumen with Daniel Skillings on the floor out there. I mean, his rebound line over under Neil was four and a half. The guys in Vegas, they got to figure that out because that's got to get moved going forward the rest of the season. He obliterated that in the first half, had eight total rebounds in the game. And when you can get the same kind of rebounding impact, but get more versatility, more fluidity, and more connectivity across all three levels of the floor on offense, that's something that I think could be the formula moving forward offensively for this Bearcats team and something to monitor going up against an Oklahoma State team, Neil, that is the worst defensive team in the conference. I don't think that's me going out on a limb saying that. And is a team where you can maybe start to finalize and hammer home some more of these experimental rotations that Wes Miller and his staff cooked up on Saturday to winning a bail. Yeah, and Dan Skilling's rebounding ability, you mentioned it, four and a half was just ridiculous out there in Vegas. I mean, look at what he's been able to do over the last few games. I think he's averaging close to six, seven rebounds a game now. So Vegas got to move that line up quite quite a bit, in my opinion, as well. But overall, Dan Skilling's ability to rebound the ball, we've seen it this season. And Wes Miller has touched on it multiple times that they are not even seeing the full potential and that Dan is just scratching the surface. And it's starting to come out here down the final half of Big 12 conference play. And it's going to be a sight to see moving forward throughout the final six games or so down the stretch as Dan Skillings is looking to get better and better each day. He's taken that huge sophomore jump from his freshman campaign. He's been a key player for the Bearcats. And then looking forward to rebounding. That's going to be something you've got to hammer home in the next few games because right now they're sitting at, I believe we talked earlier, Russ, 38th in the net rankings right now. It's the time to go. You got about six games left. You're down the stretch. Find ways to grind these out, but your rebounding is going to be the key aspect to that. And it, it starts with guys like Dan Skillings, Aziz Bandego, Jamil Reynolds, and John Newman in there as well. You got to throw him into that category as well. But overall, this was a huge, huge victory for the Bearcats to steer the ship on the right direction, heading into a very mid-Oklahoma State team. But then you get this thing right back on track, heading into Houston and TCU once again. Big victory for UC. Just had to have it. 76-74. They honestly, for some reason, I don't know how this can happen, but they won a quad one game, Neil, and went from number 35 in the net to, as we record this, number 37 in the net rankings. We'll get into the projections and all that coming up as uh, 38, the magic number to be below historically this decade in the NCAA tournament projections. North Texas, the only team ranked in the top 38 of the net since 2020, last year's North Texas team to miss the NCAA tournament with that status. So something UC is going to have to hover around. And this was a big, big opportunity to cement that, and that they did. Just to be able, Neil, with chips down, back against the wall, go on the road and get the job done. And I want to shout out the coaching staff, first and foremost, of the flexibility and the willingness to change the lineup up. I mean, Neil, they don't win this game without that opening spurt from Dan Skillings, yep. making him a starter in this game, allowing him to come out and impact everything from the jump, gave UC an early advantage. What were they up, like six, seven points early in this one? They had a lead throughout much of the first half, had their biggest lead in point. conference play going into halftime of this game. 
37 to 30. So, Neil, without that decision by Wes Miller and his staff, we could be talking about the Bearcats being fully off the bubble, outside of the NCAA tournament projections, hovering in the 35 to 40% chance range to make it. But as we stand here today, they got a better than 50% chance, in large part, in my opinion, because of the flexibility, the malleability, and the innovativeness from this Bearcats coaching staff that has continued each and every year, Neil, from year one to year two to year three, to add a little bit of flexibility, add a little bit of growth each and every year. And we've seen it play out pretty well in them kind of, like we've said, meeting expectations so far, tracking towards that NCAA tournament berth despite the back-to-back home losses last week. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're looking down at this lineup. I think people also forget that Cincinnati did not even arrive in Orlando on Saturday until 1220 in the morning after sitting on the runway at the airport due to mechanical issues, the runway issues. You had the snowstorm that hit Cincinnati. You factor that into it as well. They did not get to their team hotel until one in the morning on Saturday. They canceled their morning shoot around per Dan Horde and Terry Nelson on the radio broadcast. So they canceled their morning shoot around. And then Wes Miller goes in there and makes the decision to change the lineup completely and put Dan Skillings back in the lineup. And I mean, that's something like if you're going to change the lineup, most coaches will go through that in warmups or that shoot around and really get that right. thing under a belt. But they canceled their morning shoot around because they, for many people who noticed, they get to the arena about two and a half hours before a game. So that was a four o'clock tip off. They get there about one thirty, two o'clock. So, I mean, that doesn't give them much time of error to really get their rest and get their breakfast in, go over the scouting report one final time. And you have to really give credit to this, this coaching staff for dealing, overcoming the adversity they felt getting out to Orlando in itself. It wasn't easy. Everyone in Cincinnati knows what the streets and the weather was like on Friday night to Saturday morning. So overall you have to give big, tremendous props to West Miller and the coaching staff for changing it up. And they really changed it up Russ, because West Miller even mentioned it, that, UCF was ability to press. They thought they were effective in the small ball. Dan Skillings had a fantastic run versus UCF two weeks ago on his 21st birthday, finished with yeah. 21 points, a career high. Dan Skillings was the one of the key reasons why they were able to overcome the 12-point deficit in the first matchup of this game. Then they go on the road and move Dan Skillings back into the lineup. And, man, Russ, there was some contention there in the first 10, eight or 10 minutes or so. You look down and you're like, this is the NBA. This is why Dan Skillings is getting some of that NBA talk, getting the scouts coming out and looking at him. And the sky's the limit for Dan Skillings. We've been saying it all year, just scratching the surface and his ability to really alter the game early. Because, Russ, remember the first time these two teams matched up, it was UCF that jumped out to that huge early lead. Yep. And then they were up as much as 12 heading into the second half of the first contest. This time it's the Bearcats to come around. And that it goes down to the end. But one thing we do have to talk about, Russ, CMOS Lukosius' ability to knock down the clutch shots when needed the most. I believe Saturday's was the third time this season where he has knocked down a clutch shot when the Bearcats have desperately needed it the most. The mm-hmm. mid-range jumper there with 5.7 seconds left really kind of sealed the deal for the Bearcats. And, man, he has been fantastic in clutch shot situations, and we just have to give props out to CMOS Lukosius as well. CMOS, he's been that 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 bell answer, man. He's been one, the one ringing it at the end of games in those final minutes in these close contests that Cincinnati, I'm sure, will be a part of going forward the rest of the year. He's kind of taken on that mantle. And you feel you're feeling more and more comfortable with Cincinnati's game-changing ability in those moments if CMOS Lukosius continues to get these reps. I think each rep he gets, you're getting more and more comfortable, the fan base is 
with him taking those reps and being that guy at the end. And then, as we mentioned, the guy at the beginning of this one, Daniel Skillings, 12 points, four of 10 from the field in the first half, wasn't super efficient, but wanted it. He wanted that moment. He wanted to take the pain to UCF. He wanted to take a hold of the narrative in this game. And that's exactly what he did. Played really great ball in that first half in 16 minutes. No turnovers, five rebounds, one assist, and ultimately helped Cincinnati get a huge season sweep of UCF. They're probably going to end up needing both those victories once we get to Selection Sunday in just a couple weeks' time. Cincinnati, a full roster, fully healthy. The easiest – now, it's not uh, saying it's super easy, obviously, but the easiest strength of schedule remaining of any Big 12 team. Neil, are they set up to make a run? We'll look at the projections. We'll dive into all that in the next segment. Plus, a look at Oklahoma State. They just won as nearly seven-point underdogs at home against a top 25 team in BYU. Are they going to carry that momentum over to Cincinnati and pull off a shocking road upset over the Bearcats? We'll dive into their look after segment number two on Bearcat Blitz. Coming up, NCAA Tournament Projections. Bearcat Blitz, UC gets the victory 76-74 over the UCF Knights. They are currently, as we look at all of the different metrics, as of this taping, 37th in the net, 36th on Ken Palm, and overall 16-9 and record with a 12-4 and home mark, 4-4 and on the road, and 5-7 and in conference. Neil, as of right now, ESPN has the Bearcats as a final work to do team in their bracket projections from John Gassaway. Essentially quote from Gassaway right here, Cincinnati prevailing at UCF by two has the potential to push this profile from first four out to last four in. And ultimately that's kind of where they stand. We do not have the latest update from the 2024 bracket matrix. As of this writing, it was last updated on February 17th when the Bearcats were the top at large team to not have a bid finalized in the latest projections. They were on 27 out of 102 bracket projections. Neil, I would imagine they're going to be in the 50 range once we get that update today, 50 to 60 range, something like that. And when we look at team rankings overall, Mark, Cincinnati projected to make the field on team rankings. Now take that for what it's worth. Team rankings has not been very good at projecting the field over the past five, six years, but they're the only site that I could really find with hard, firm, percentage projections for Cincinnati so 56% chance Neil to get an at-large bid they are seated as the 43rd overall team and 11th seed in team rankings field as we stand right now and looking at the final six games here for Cincinnati it is a mix of three quad ones and three quad threes you get your quad three matchups all at home Neil and your quad one matchups all on the road, next three up against Oklahoma State at fifth third, and then on the road at TCU and at Houston. You go two and one over the, this next three-game stretch, Neil, you're going to be in very strong position to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously this was something we talked about heading into the last stretch uh, of games here. Me personally, I said they had to go three and one. They go two and two, which right now, I mean, the win at UCF kind of brought them back to the bubble. I thought they, even Wes Miller said it as well, that they they felt like they let a couple opportunities slip. But right now, if they can go two and one over this stretch, I think it will be 
a huge testament for them to make the tournament. And obviously, we talked Houston. Houston has a big matchup tonight versus potentially a number one seeded Iowa State come Big 12 tournament time. So that's a huge matchup to keep an eye on tonight because that's, that that's going to largely decide the regular season champion mm -hmm. in the Big 12. And that's going to decide, as you talk about the regular season championship, the Big 12 conference tournament seedings. And right now, depending on how this game goes tonight versus Iowa State or Houston, this could factor into what rank the Bearcats go into the Big 12 tournament with. Obviously, they still have some work to do before the end of the season, so we can't jump ahead to that. But they have huge opportunities ahead of them. TCU right now, obviously, they, they kind of know going to TCU is going to be going to be a showdown. It's going to be a back-and-forth battle. I mean, we saw the first one here. They, Jamie Dixon and even said himself at the end that they were felt a little – a little overwhelmed with the way that game transpired towards the end. Obviously, Micah Peavy suffered that gruesome cut above the eye, got a little physical. Everyone saw that uh, that ending, but they have a huge opportunity right here, Russ, and I think it starts here with Oklahoma State. I think if they can get the job done, they can really build that momentum because you're heading into TCU. If you can get that one versus TCU on Saturday, you get two win three wins back-to-back -back counting the UCF game. You're building your momentum, and then you're heading into arguably the number one team in the country now after Purdue's loss. To Houston and everyone knows how talented Houston is and especially after how the last matchup went last weekend Jerron Roberts just played bully ball but overall these next three games Russ is what's going to decide the season and it starts versus a very mid Oklahoma State team I know they're at the bottom of the conference basically in the Big 12 they're coming off the win versus BYU but they can go out in fifth third arena on Wednesday night and get a huge win build your momentum to go on the road to Fort Worth and take on a TCU team, steal either one versus TCU or Houston, man, they're in great shape to solidify their spot heading into the NCAA tournament. Right. I mean, if you beat Oklahoma State and TCU and lose to Houston, I think you're you're I think you're, you're tracking towards I mean, you're tracking towards a 60, 65, 68 percent mm -hmm. chance to make the tournament. And then you have two Q three games remaining and you're at Oklahoma. So you really just have to go win those two Q3 games, you can still lose to Oklahoma. And I think at that point, Neil, they would be right around uh, – it's tough to tell where the seeding is going to land ultimately for the Big 12 tournament. I know as of today, they posted the – if the season ended today bracket over the weekend, and they were the eighth seed getting set to take on the ninth seed at Oklahoma Sooners. And in that scenario, if they were – I think they would be kind of hovering around the eight to ten seeding range if they were to finish – five and two down the stretch, like we mentioned. And so I don't know that they would necessarily have to win a game in the big 12 tournament. If they were going up against another quad one opponent, if it's a definite quad three loss that you're going to be facing, if you were to lose that game, then I think you can't afford to lose it. But mm -hmm. if they end up going five and two, you're most likely or oh, going nine and nine overall on the overall conference record you're going to be hovering right there in that eight to nine to 10 seed range. So it's not necessarily going to be one of those bottom three teams from the overall big 12 standings that can do Cincinnati in, which you cannot afford a loss really even to Kansas state. You could, you could maybe afford that one. So you, as long as you don't lose any of these big 12 tournament opening round games to Oklahoma state or West Virginia, but even in that scenario, you're going to have lost too many games down the stretch here to have thinking that you could make the tournament anyway. So, Ultimately, it's nine and nine. That's the record that fans should be searching for. Nine and nine finish overall. Four and two finish down the stretch here. And then over these next two, 
obviously you'd like to go two and one in this stretch. If they go three and oh, Neil, then yeah, they're going to be in the dance. Mm-hmm. That, that's, that's a given for sure. But obviously expectations are two and one and given the numbers, it's hard to expect them to go into Houston and win that game. Seeing as Cincinnati makes the Cougars a 95.4% favorite to win that contest. You see with a lot better chance to take out Oklahoma, obviously as an 89.7% favorite and the pendulum, Neil, the one that will kind of keep them firmly tracking towards the tournament spot at TCU, where they are projected to lose 69% of the time. Nice, nice projection there. <laughs> the ESPN matchup projector. Woo, man. Just off the bubble, on the bubble, right in the bubble, making bubbles or blowing bubbles. It's all bubbles here this entire season. This felt like for Cincinnati Bearcats media following this team. And we got to follow an Oklahoma State matchup up next. A rare breather in terms of projections for Cincinnati's conference opponents. They are likely going to be at least, in my opinion, Neil, eight to nine point favorites in this contest coming up on Wednesday evening. And they're an 89.7% favorite over Oklahoma State going into it on ESPN. We'll tell you why after this message on Bear Caplets. Oklahoma State coming into Fifth Third Arena on Wednesday evening. They are firmly in basement of the Big 12. Tied for last place at 3-9 and nine overall with West Virginia. They're 11-14 and 14 on the season. They're led by ECU transfer guard, a guy Cincinnati is very familiar with, in Javon Small. He's their leading scorer on the season, 14.2 points per game, hitting about 42% on the season. He is my top player to watch in this contest and a player that Neil, if you see can limit small's impact from outside, make him the player he's been on the road all season, which is a 30% three point shooter on the road and a 39% three point shooter at home, turn him into, into who he's been for much of the campaign and Cincinnati, I think should have more than enough offensive firepower against a bottom three offense in the big 12 and arguably the worst defense in the Big 12. They're giving up 76.2 points per game. They're just solid defensively, bad offensively. Top 78, top 80 nationally in adjusted uh, adjusted defense, but that's not kind of taking into account the rest of the Big 12. When you compare to the rest of the Big 12, it's just not really um, a, a big debate about where they stand with those other schools. And I just don't see who is going to ultimately – weather or tamp down the overall depth storm offensively that Cincinnati can put up with its full roster and CJ Frederick going into his third game back from injury. And likely I would imagine if there's no setbacks throughout any practices or anything, he's going to be at this point taking on a full diet of minutes that he would normally be allotted. So stop Javon small, cut the head off the snake Neil, and limit him. I think you should have a great, great chance to win this basketball game force Oklahoma State to shoot as many threes as possible, get them to chuck those up, get anybody besides small to shoot them. Ultimately, you probably don't want John Michael Wright to be taking a lot of those threes as a good three-point shooter, but it's just there's not a lot of firepower from this Oklahoma State team, Neil, and there's not a lot of size either. When we think about their only big man option being Brandon Garrison at six foot 11, 245 pounds, other than that, they have one player. Uh, at six foot eight or taller in the rotation. 
Yeah, this should be a game where the Bearcats dominate the ball inside. Just like we have said all season, as you talk about one player above six foot eleven, this could be a game where Jamil Reynolds, Victor Lockin, Aziz Bandego, Odio Guama, whoever it may be in that front court, to have a significant night, significant minutes. But uh, Russ, we also have to talk about that. Oklahoma State has been awful on the road this season. They are still searching for their first road victory of the season, 0-9. So, I mean, at this rate, seeing how they have performed on the road, it's like, hey, they could come out ready to try and snap that streak, or they can come out and be absolutely flat on offense or defense, whichever way you want to take it. But overall, Javon Small has been fantastic for Oklahoma State this season, but people also forget Small didn't play in the first team in the team's matchup versus ECU last season due to, I believe it was a knee injury. He came back right in time for the AAC tournament. And I remember watching him throughout the tournament down there live at Dickey's arena. And man, was he fantastic alongside Ezra Asar for ECU, but he's a high caliber player. He was one of the most highly sought off players in the transfer portal this off season ends up with Mike Boyden at Oklahoma state. And he's the guy that makes the engine go for Oklahoma state, but you also got to, Kind of kind of factor in Bryce Thompson out there as well. He's averaging 12 points on 40, 35, and 67 splits. So he's not shooting the best of the ball, especially from the foul line, shooting just 67%. But he is their second leading scorer for the, uh, for the Cowboys. So overall, those two guys, if you can stop them, I think they're – Are they going to have him back for this game, do you know, Neil? I know he's been questionable, but he has okay. been – Trying to get back. Out, trying to get back, it seems like, but – if they can get him back, he's averaging 12 points a game. He's second-leading scorer. I know he's been dealing with an injury, but overall you still have to kind of put him into consideration. If he's able to go, could be a whole different whole different Cowboys team we see on Wednesday night. But, man, Russ, if this is a night where the Bearcats can really establish the ball in the front court, man, Aziz Bandego's coming off what I thought was his best game of his Bearcat career. It would be great to see him follow back up and have another night like that as well. But it would also be a night to maybe see Victor Locken bounce out of that, bounce out of that slump that he's in. I mean, obviously he didn't play versus UCF besides the final seconds there. But man, this is an opportunity for the Bearcats to really just pound the ball in the front court. Let Jamil Reynolds, Victor Locken, Aziz Bandego, Odia Guama, whoever's down there in the front court, just cook. Just cook. Get them in foul trouble early. If you can get them in foul trouble early. I think this could be a game where the Bearcats could win by 10 to 15 points. If they really establish the ball in the paint, they have 35-plus points in the paint in this contest, I really think this could go in the Bearcats' favor. No question to ask if they can have that significant amount of points there in the front court. So overall, this is, a, as you mentioned, Russ, a very up-and-down Oklahoma State team, but they're riding their highest high of the season right now following their win off BYU. Yeah, to Neil's point, Oklahoma State allowing 49.9% uh, from the field as a defense in conference play this season, that is horrific. That is so, so bad. It's the worst in the Big 12. And it gets even worse when you look at the fact that Neil is telling the fellas to do something that Oklahoma State op opponents have done very well in 2023 and 24, and that is murder them on the inside around the rim. 57.5% two-point percentage allowed on defense by this Oklahoma State defensive crew. That is 14th out of 14 teams in the Big 12. So, yeah. Hammer the big fellas inside. Jameel Reynolds, I think I, I projected him in my uh, pre preview article to have the best game of his career shooting-wise. I think he goes six for six from the field. He puts up a perfect mark, and he leads the Bearcats offensively with some great, great back-to-the-basket play. And overall, I got Cincinnati winning this game, Neil, pretty easily. 70, 
or 83 to 70. They get into the 80s for the second time as a Big 12 team. First time since taking out TCU 81-77. And I just don't I don't see Oklahoma State hitting enough threes in this game with how well Cincinnati defends the three-point mm-hmm. line and how great their just tandem and overall arsenal of the perimeter defenders is to be able to get enough shots made from downtown and keep this one close. You, OSU has basically, every time, Neil, that they hit nine or more threes, they win basketball games. I don't see them hitting even seven threes in this game, let alone getting the nine. 83-70, my final prediction. What do you got as we exit this episode of Bearcat Blitz? Yeah, I'm going to go 79 to 60, 67. Let's go 79 to 67 in favor of the Bearcats. And it really just comes down to this one, Russ, as the battle of the glass and the points in the paint. That's going to be the difference maker here in this one. And I'm going to rock with that score. Going with the Bearcats by double digits, Neil and I are. We'll see uh, see what happens over the next couple of days or so on Bearcat Blitz, presented by Bet Online. This is the second. 15 seconds left. Shot clock off. Four point game. DeJulius put up a three. Yeah! 